This is Endourology Sound Bites, a new podcast series from the publisher of the Journal of Endourology and Video Urology, in cooperation with the Endourological Society. This series is brought to you by Richard Wolf, a global leader in endoscopy since 1906. Richard Wolf delivers solutions that are improving patient outcomes and shaping the future of minimally invasive surgery. For more information, please visit richardwolfusa.com. Hello, this is Brian Metlaga, Associate Director of Education for the Endourology Society. I would like to welcome you to this installment of Endourology Soundbites. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Dr. Kershid Ghani from the University of Michigan, who will be providing us his insights into the modern terrain of laser lithotripsy. My name is Kushid Ghani. I'm an associate professor of urology at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And today I'll be speaking about laser physics, what the urologist should know when breaking stones. Uretroscopy and laser lithotripsy has become the predominant method for urinary stone treatment in North America. And the Holmium laser is the most widely used laser for uretroscopy, with modern day systems providing the user with a range of settings and parameters that have numerous effects on stone fragmentation. In particular, next-generation Holmium systems have led to the development and adoption of techniques such as dusting, whereby fragments are left in situ for spontaneous passage. And advanced technologies have also been introduced, such as pulse modulation mode, that improves Holmium laser energy transmission through water. In this podcast, I will discuss the physics and technical parameters for laser lithotripsy and introduce the new technologies in this rapidly evolving field. The Holmium laser is a solid-state flash lamp pumped pulsed laser and is the current standard for lithotripsy during urethroscopy. This is in part due to its excellent safety profile, its ability to track fragment stones of any composition, and the ability to use small laser fibers that permit endoscope irrigation and flexibility. Because its wavelength is 2,120 nanometers, it is highly absorbed in water with a low penetration depth that limits the amount of energy reaching surrounding tissue. This is an important thing to remember as we think about how the Holmium laser is used to break the stone, especially when we do contact laser lithotripsy. Laser activation causes the release of energy from the fiber tip, creating a vapor channel, allowing for direct absorbance of radiation by the stone. This direct irradiance leads to a photothermal reaction, which causes chemical decomposition of the stone. Though collapse of the cavitation bubble has been noted to generate shockwaves, they do not significantly contribute to total fragmentation. The process of ablation and fragmentation are highly dependent on the total power, which is measured in the unit Watt, that's W-A-T-T, named after the Scottish scientist James Watt, who was the father of the Industrial Revolution and led the world from the change of agriculture to one of technology and engineering that we are now in today and that our field of endourology is so immersed in. So we have to remember that the total power delivered to the stone, and this is a product of the pulse energy and pulse frequency, and I'll come back to that later. While original homium lasers were low power systems, that means they had a total power capability of only 15 to 20 watts, modern day systems can accommodate much greater power, up to 120 to even 140 watts in the latest machines. To achieve higher power, the systems require multiple laser rods and cavities, giving rise to the term multi-cavity laser. Initially developed for prostate surgery, which requires increased energy for cutting and coagulation, these systems permit higher frequencies. And that's why they've become popular for stone surgery. 
With this method of laser generation, however, only 15 to 20 percent of the energy is focused into the laser itself, with most of the energy lost in the form of heat. So in order to avoid overheating, the Holmium laser systems are equipped with large water cooling systems, contributing to their size and high energy consumption. Next generation Holmium systems now allow pulse duration manipulation to either short pulse or long pulse modes, something we'll cover in more detail later on. And it's altering the pulse energy, the frequency, pulse duration, in addition to new parameters such as pulse modulation that affect stone ablation, retropulsion, and laser fiber tip degradation. Adjusting these parameters can optimize lithotripsy and improve the efficiency of fragmentation. One fundamental thing to understand when undertaking laser lithotripsy is what is happening to the energy? Since energy cannot be created nor destroyed, the energy is being transferred in primarily four ways. First, energy is transferred to the stone and causes ablation, which is greatest when the stone is in contact with the laser fiber tip. Second, a proportion of the energy is transferred to the surrounding fluid, which heats the fluid. And this is now an emerging parameter of interest, especially with increased use of high power lasers and settings. Third, some of the energy displaces the stone, known as stone retropulsion. And finally, a very small amount of energy is transferred to light, and this is called sonoluminescence. In modern-day lithotripsy, when selecting laser settings, one has to be cognizant of the following laser parameter selections. The pulse duration, pulse energy, pulse frequency, the total power, and if available, the pulse modulation. Pulse duration, also described as pulse width or length, is defined as the duration of the single optical pulse emitted from the fiber tip. Traditionally, Holmium systems have used a single fixed short pulse mode ranging from 150 to 350 microseconds. Next generation systems are now equipped with long pulse modes ranging from 500 to 1,300 microseconds. Unfortunately, not all the laser systems actually tell you what the exact pulse duration mode is, and sometimes it's a guess about what the exact length of these modes are. But in general, in comparison to short pulse mode, long pulse delivers the same amount of total energy, but is delivered over a longer period of time. And when you look at the waveform of a homium laser pulse, the pulse looks like it has a shark's fin appearance with a peak and then a gradual tail. One concept to understand is something called the peak power, which is the maximum optical power of a pulse and is calculated by dividing the pulse energy with the pulse duration. Long pulse modes have a lower peak power, and it's this reduction in peak power that provides some of the advantage of long pulse. One major advantage of using long pulse over short pulse is decreased retropulsion of a stone. Additionally, long pulse reduces laser fiber tip degradation, also known as burn back, and this is a result of thermal shock, chemical, and mechanical breakdown of the silica fiber. Burnback decreases the fiber length and energy delivered to the stone, thus decreasing lithotripsy efficiency. And if the burnback is quite severe, it may require the operator to stop performing surgery, remove the laser fiber, either to cleave or cut the fiber tip. And all of this adds operating room time and is a source of poor efficiency. Another term to be familiar with is something called peak power density, which is the peak power divided by the laser fiber core diameter. Therefore, smaller core fibers have a higher peak power density. 
Moving on to pulse energy, this is measured in joules and is the total optical energy emitted from the laser fiber tip in one pulse. The amount of pulse energy available is dependent on the power of the homeum system with ranges from 0.2 joules to 6 joules currently available. And for ureteroscopy, we typically use ranges from 0.2 to 2 joules depending on the technique and the stone durability. Stone ablation volume and fragment size increases proportionally to the pulse energy setting. Higher pulse energies, such as those are greater than 0.5 joules, produces larger fragments that are ideal for removal using basket retrieval devices. In contrast, low pulse energy settings produce smaller fragments and is optimal for techniques such as dusting, a method that relies on breaking stones into tiny fragments. There are several drawbacks to using higher pulse energy, including greater laser fiber tip degradation, which we already discussed in terms of how that is protected when you use a long pulse mode, and also stone retropulsion, because of higher pulse energies lead to greater stone retropulsion, and this can hinder ablation efficiency and prolong procedure time. Retropulsion in general decreases efficiency by increasing that distance between the fiber tip and stone, resulting in less energy reaching the stone. Time is also spent trying to maintain contact with the stone as it moves. The next parameter is frequency, and this is measured in hertz and is defined as the number of pulses emitted from the laser fiber per second. If the pulse energy is kept constant and the frequency increases, fragmentation rates can increase. And high-power homium lasers can now achieve frequencies of up to 80 hertz, supporting techniques such as high-frequency dusting. It's the pulse energy and frequency selection that influences the total power. And now I'd like to discuss that. So, for example, if you're using a setting of 1 joule and 10 hertz, you get 10 watts of time average power. And this total power that's used during the case can have important safety implications. Temperatures can increase to concerning levels when using high power settings, especially in the setting of low irrigation rates. And prior work has shown that the threshold for tissue damage is 43 degrees Celsius if kept at 120 minutes. And in general, we can calculate this thermal dose of toxicity using something called the Dewey and Saporetta T43 equivalence minutes. So using this method, the threshold for tissue damage is equivalent to 50 degrees Celsius for 56 seconds or equivalent to 56 degrees Celsius for 0.9 seconds. So when performing high-power laser lithotripsy, it's really important to understand the total power because that has an impact on heating. And it's also important to understand how long that heat has occurred as we've understood that at higher temperatures, you only need a shorter duration to provide a toxic dose. But these temperature rises, if they're at all significant, can be mitigated. And that's why we advocate using intermittent laser firing when we're using high power settings or cooled irrigation or in particular access sheets to increase the outflow drainage and consequently increase the irrigation rate. Another thing that's being under development is suction technology, and this can remove the heated irrigation fluid from the collecting system and presents another potential solution to mitigating thermal injury. Two other factors that impact fragmentation are the laser fiber size and the fiber tip to stone working distance. Smaller core diameter fibers are associated with more retropulsion compared to larger core fibers, and this is due to the small recoil momentum for the small fibers. Fragmentation is similar among fibers when using low pulse energies, but greater for larger fibers when using higher pulse energies. The fiber tip to stone working distance has implications on lithotripsy efficiency since energy from the whole laser is highly absorbed in water. 
the greatest fragmentation occurs when the laser is activated while in contact with the stone. And if the fiber tip distance increases, it reduces fragmentation efficacy. This is because the energy reaching the stone diminishes as the distance between the laser fiber and stone increases. In the classic work by Van Leeuwen and colleagues from 1991, the temporal interaction between a 500 microsecond laser pulse and saline at the fiber tip was investigated with flash photography. And they found that the penetration depth in saline depended on the fiber output energy. More recently, our group from the University of Michigan studied this in the context of laser literacy and found that fragmentation volume is reduced by as much as 40% when one joule of energy is applied with the laser fiber tip position just one millimeter away from the stone, while there was no fragmentation occurring at three millimeter distance. Therefore, to optimize laser literacy efficiency, it's really important that you keep your laser fiber tip on the stone. Something that some of you would have heard is the term Moses, and this term in relation to laser ablation was first described when investigating the interaction between laser energy and fluid medium. And in 1989, Isner and colleagues described the phenomena, the bubble that forms when laser energy is transmitted through fluid. This energy causes a vapor tunnel that serves as a pathway permitting transmission of radiation, and they described it between the parted seas of blood or water, hence the term the Moses effect. And home laser energy is highly absorbed in water. Most of the energy goes to form the vapor bubble through which the energy is transmitted to the stone. So in a short or long pulse mode, a lot of the energy is delivered in one pulse, which causes most of the energy to be lost in forming the vapor bubble. I mention this because now there is a new pulse modulation mode that is called the MOSES technology, and this is a patented technology, and it changes how the energy is delivered to the stone. The energy is delivered over two pulses, so it's called a multi-pulse method. The first pulse delivers part of the energy to form a vapor bubble, and once that bubble is formed, the second pulse delivers the rest of the energy through the already formed vapor channel. And this ensures that more energy is delivered to the stone compared to a regular pulse mode. I want to close on just a, a little overview of what I think are some knowledge gaps around laser lithotripsy. Fragmentation is occurring because the laser energy is being absorbed by the material, but there's also an interaction between fluid absorption, as we've just described to you, that there's been effects about laser to fiber stone distance, that laser energy is highly absorbed in fluid. And it's this tension between material absorption and fluid absorption that will affect fragmentation. And these things will have profound impact on vision. So if you have laser energy delivery that is working really well on contact with the stone and you're getting a great fragmentation effect, you're getting a wonderful dusting effect, well, one of the consequences of that is increase in debris. And especially during eutroscopy, this can lead to a reduction in vision. And then this can have consequences of the operator wanting to increase the irrigation flow rate to see through the dust. And this can have implications for safety, especially with higher intrarenal pressures, if not appropriately mitigated. With the aspect of fluid absorption, as I mentioned very early on about laser lithotripsy and transfer of energy, if a lot of wasted energy is just going into the fluid and especially at higher power and it's starting to be absorbed by the fluid and causing heat generation, this can increase the temperature in the collecting system and this can have thermal toxicity effects and can impact tissue safety. So overall, I think there's a lot to discover around laser physics. And over the next few years, we're going to learn much, much more about these interactions between material absorption, fluid absorption, 
and safety. So in conclusion, getting the laser physics just right for laser lithotripsy requires an understanding of setting parameters to improve lithotripsy efficiency and stone clearance within the safety parameters of heat and intrarenal pressure generation. In general, long pulse reduces retropulsion and limits fiber tip degradation. Low pulse energy results in the lowest retropulsion and fragmentation size. Higher frequencies lead to more fragmentation. Keeping the fiber on contact with the stone results in the greatest fragmentation. And new advances such as pulse modulation with a multi-pulse mechanism improves fragmentation, both on contact and especially when the fiber is at distance from the stone. However, it's important to realize that high power settings may lead to heat generation, and this needs to be appropriately mitigated. Thank you. 